Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Hey, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. Anybody need a Bible here this morning? Uh, Pastor Brian, I'll make sure you get one. And you can open up to a couple places this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Exodus chapter 33. 2 Corinthians 5 and Exodus 33, it's on the screen there for you. Typically, we, we go verse by verse through the Bible, and, you know, we just finished the book of Colossians. We had our Share Sunday last Sunday, and that was a great time, and we got to, we got to affirm the calling upon Mike's life, and we did an ordination last week. That was so awesome just to uh, be a part of what God is doing in our body and hearing what he's doing in the, in the people in our body, uh, the people online that watch. You know, it, it's, it's amazing how uh, God is working, and, and sometimes we don't even recognize that. We don't see it. I was here this last week. I was, uh, we, we were praying over uh, a dear couple in our fellowship. Uh, the wife has had some serious back problems and um, is, was told by the doctor there's not much they can do. Uh, she's had multiple surgeries and, uh, you know, has been, now they're just trying to figure out how they're going to manage that. And we said, hey, listen, the Bible says call the elders and we'll anoint you and we'll pray for you. So she came down and... Uh, we, we did that. We prayed for her, and, and you can keep her in prayer. Her name is Harriet. She is an awesome lady, uh, anointed by the Lord, and uh, her husband, you can imagine, is grieving as he watches his wife in serious pain. And so, you know, just keep, keep, uh, um, keep them in prayer. Uh, but uh, they, they made a comment that kind of you know, as a pastor, I, I, you, you get in the weeds in the everyday moments, and sometimes you wonder, what do people see on, you know, from the 30,000-foot perspective, because I'm on the ground level, I'm, you know, on the front lines, and so what, what are people, guests that come in, what do they see? What about people that, you know, have not been here as long as I have? <laughs> what are they seeing? And they made a comment that really blessed my heart, and, and, the, and they said, you know, uh, they, they just started coming to the church not too long ago, and they said, you know, there is such a love in this body for people, and you can feel that when you come in, and, and there, is, there is just, a, uh, you know, just we love to see what the Holy Spirit is doing it amongst the people. They were just, you know, so encouraged by you guys, by how you are ministering to people as they come in here and how you're loving on people, and that blesses me, man, as I, see, as I hear that. It's so good to hear that. So good to hear, like, man, the, the body is interacting with the body. And, and Because I'll tell you, that is unique, and that's exactly what they said. Hey, this is kind of a unique uh, church because it's not just kind of in the door and out the door and no, no interaction with each other, but you guys are actually loving on each other and ministering to each other. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I've got my own things that I'm doing. I don't see that all the time. It was so good to hear. It's just blessed my soul because... You know, I'm worried about the church at large. I'm, I'm, I'm super worried about 
the culture that is breeding this, this thing that we're calling worship that is not. This thing that we are like, we're saying, hey, we got a cool worship team. We got a great communicator. Man, we are church. We're doing church today. Are we really doing church? Like my heart has just been grieving over the idea of what we're calling church. And, and here's where it's coming from. It's coming from a place of the Old Testament. I, as I'm reading through the Bible, uh, you know, on my daily devotions and stuff, some of you guys follow my, my little blog, and I'm, and I'm just kind of going through, and, and I write, write a little devotion as I read a, a certain portion of scriptures until the Lord speaks to me. Then I write something about it. Keeps me accountable, keeps me in the Word, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's blessing other people. But, but, but as I've been reading about this God that we serve... You know, in the, if we stay in the New Testament, there is a portion of God that we will miss. And so oftentimes Christians go, oh, I don't need the Old Testament. I don't need to read about the God of the Old Testament. He's the same God. Like, he doesn't change. And when you read about the Old Testament God, the same God that's the New Testament God, that you, you see a different perspective of God. You get to see the holiness of God. You get to see this, this righteous God that says, listen, I love you so much that I'm going to show you the standard. I'm going to show you what it means to worship me, and then I'm going to make a way for you. And, and, and so as I, as I was reading through the Old Testament, and God is just, and I'm seeing like, Lord, we are missing the awe and, 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 and the wonder of who you are. We're more concerned about how the worship is. We're more concerned about the songs that we're singing. Did that minister to me? I don't like that song. Can we change it? Oh, can you do this song because I like it? Are we here for us? Is this about us? And I know you're here. I'm sorry. I'm so passionate about this. Because here's, here's the deal is this is not about us. This is about coming and meeting with the God of the universe. Like he's here right now. And let me tell you something, if he did what he did in the Old Testament, we would fall on our faces right now. We would be saying, oh, he's here. He is here. He's here. And I want you to grab hold of that this morning because this thing can become so routine. It becomes so routine that you, you, you completely miss it and it loses its power. And then you start just going through the motions and wondering, what, am, what is this all about? Why am I even here? Why do I waste my time coming? Listen, that is what can happen if you're not careful. If we put the wrong object in the middle of the room and we start worshiping the wrong thing, we will eventually not want anything to do with it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that has something to do with some of these fellas that are walking away from the Lord that we're hearing about on the news. Some of these pastors that, that look at what they're doing and go, man, I don't want any part of this. I don't want to do this anymore. Why? Because there's no power in it. Why is there no power in it? Because the Spirit of the Lord has left the building. That's why. And here's the reality. Just like in the Old Testament, when the Lord departed the temple... Jesus said in the New Testament, in the churches in Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, he said, I will take my lampstand from you if you do not repent and turn back towards me. 
This is not Old Testament, New Testament. This is the same living God that expects the exact same things. Here's the difference. You don't have to go and make sacrifices because the sacrifice has been made for you. Everything else is identical. It doesn't change. That doesn't mean that we are law keepers and that we, we, we somehow relate to God based on how well we're doing that. That's not at all what it's about. Again, the law was meant to do what? To show us how far we are away from what he expects. And Jesus Christ came to give us the grace to make up the difference. But listen, folks, God is the same God. He does not change. And this is what the Lord has been speaking to my heart about and something I want to share with you this morning. Will you just pray with me real quick? Father God, we, we just come before you right now, Lord. We are grateful for who you are. God, we are sorry for who we have made you. Fashioning you into our own image. Making all of this about us. We need your forgiveness this morning, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit would move in this place this morning. That you would draw us to a place of repentance in our own hearts, Lord, as we consider who you are. All that you've done for us. Lord, if we have lost the awe and wonder, will you restore it this morning? Will you bring back a healthy fear in our eyes, Lord, of who you are? Will you move us into a place of not just continually calling upon grace, but into a place of obedience where we grab hold of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and walk out this life in a way that would please you, God. We need you to speak to us, Lord. You know what we need to hear. And we are here for you and you alone. So speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a relatively new Christian, I attended a men's Bible study uh, men's breakfast, really, in, in, the, in the middle of the week at my church, and we would go to this place, and I so looked forward to it. It was such an incredible time. Me and a few of, few of the fellows from our church would get together, and we would talk about the Lord, what the Lord was doing in our lives, and, and sometimes, you know, th there was a word of encouragement, and sometimes there was a word of rebuke, and sometimes there was a word of correction, and sometimes there was, uh, you know, just... Um, just, just, just the awe of who the Lord was. You know, th there was always something that was happening, though, because where two or three are gathered, there he is, and he starts to work in our lives and encourage us and shape us. And, and listen, I left there every week so encouraged. Like, I was just like, man, Lord, you are so awesome. I love you so much, Lord. Thank you. Because he designed us to be together, right? And we need that in our lives. So I, I was just so encouraged by that until one day, I think it was well-meaning, this fellow shows up to our Bible study. He didn't come all the time, not like I was keeping track, but 
he, he let us know that he was mature in the Lord. And as I was enthusiastically sharing what the Lord had showed me, as soon as I was finished, he said, with kind of this disgusted look on his face, are you always this excited? Are you always this excited? Like, like his facial expression said, dude, you make me sick. You know, that, that's, what, that's what I'm seeing. And immediately my, my, my countenance fell. My, you know, I went to that neutral place with my face rather than a smile. It was just neutral like, oh, I felt like I did something wrong. You know, you, you get embarrassed and you're like, what's happening here? Did I, did I do something wrong? Am I not supposed to be excited? Is, is that what maturity looks like? And so I just faded to the back and I stopped talking and I stopped interacting with people. And I thought, Lord, man, I don't mean to be overzealous, Lord. What, what, you know, and, and so I thought about that afterwards when I was thinking about this fella and I thought, man, Lord, you know, why am I so excited? And I started to think about it. And I was reminded very quickly that he saved my soul. He forgave me of my sins. Like my eternal destination is settled. Like I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm going to heaven. The moment I breathe my last breath, I will be with him. Like why wouldn't I be excited? Like why wouldn't I be on the rooftop shouting hallelujah to everybody and anybody? Because guess what? I'm going to heaven. My sins are forgiven, and, and, I, and I thought about that for a moment, and I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. You reminded me of why I am so excited and so passionate about you. And then I thought about him, and I thought, Lord, what gets a person to a place in their life where they are so dissatisfied, so discontent, so dispassionate, so uninspired by you that they would say something like that to a fairly new Christian and just totally kill their spiritual buzz. Has that ever happened to you? You ever met somebody like that that, that just really knows how to demotivate somebody in Christ? You know, that's their gifting. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in emotional control, you know, dispassionate mode. That's, my job is to make sure that you don't get out of hand, right? So there's plenty of people in, in the church like that. And I started thinking, Lord, how does somebody get there? How do they get from understanding what Christ has done, and then they get to a place where they're not excited about it at all? And the Lord kind of reminded me, it's, it's sort of like when the newness of something wears off, right? You know, when you get that, that thing that you wanted so badly, and you've, like, been working for, and you can't wait to get it, and you get it, and, like, you're satisfied, like, you're so content. Like, you're like, man, the world could just, I, I could stop, the world could just stop around me now because I am so good for, like, 10 minutes, and then you're on to something else. You see this at Christmas time, do you not? With your kids? 
They're all the way up to December 24th. They are like, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then, then, they, then, then you're like, okay, I want to bless my kids, so I'm going to get them that. And, and you get them the things that they desire, right? And like, you, you watch them open those gifts up, and they're just cherishing these things like they are children. And they're carrying them around, and they're loving on them. They're taking them to breakfast. They are, they are so in love with these things. And then like a week later, you see it laying in the yard. You see it like laying in a mud puddle. You see it crumpled up in the corner with spaghetti sauce all over it. And you're like, what happened? The newness wore off. The newness wore off. And, and listen, that can happen in almost any facet of life, right? The newness can wear off. Maybe you're in a marriage today and the newness is worn off. And you're not so excited like you once were. Maybe you're a parent here today and you're like, man, I remember walking out of the hospital with those kids. Like I'm thinking, are you guys sure you want to leave, let me go with this little child? Like it seems irresponsible, but okay. And you were just so in awe of that little guy. And then like when they're 14 years old, <laughs> you were like, what just happened? <laughs> you know. It can happen in your job. It can happen in any relationship. Listen, it can happen in your relationship with the Lord. It can happen in your relationship with the Lord where the newness wears off. When you and I came to Christ, the Bible says that we were made new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. You and I were born again. We were no longer the same people. We are completely new. And that newness that he's talking about here is talking about a new nature. Like God put a passion in us for him. That is the newness that he's talking about. Not only that, but then he seals the deal on it. He makes us brand new at the very same time he seals us with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Listen to this. In him, speaking of Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. He came inside of you. Like, I want you to get the picture of what happened here. He made you brand new. Light entered darkness. There was a seal put upon you that marked you for the rest of your life that you belong to him. As I was reading the Old Testament, I came across this end, and this picture is so vivid. I want you to get a, get a grasp of it. It's Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And you know the verses already because you know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and it tells us a little bit about what the earth was like before he started to work in it. 
And it says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Do you know that this is a perfect illustration of you? Do you know that? Like before Christ, you were without form and void. You were dark, and the Spirit of God was hovering over you. And in a moment, like the twinkling of an eye, the moment belief was birthed in your heart and you said, I want Jesus, boom, light came into you. And you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, made brand new, given a new nature. Is that awesome? Like, like we say, oh man, I mean, people spend their entire lives trying to figure out how all of this was designed. Like I'm just, I can't even get over salvation. I can't even get over the fact that God came down and died for me so that I could be born again, so that I could be, be made light. The Bible tells us that we move from darkness into marvelous light. This is the newness that, that Paul is speaking about here in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is hands down the greatest miracle that God has ever performed on the face of the earth. Do you know that? Salvation. Salvation. God can do anything. He can speak things into existence. He doesn't need raw materials. Like he just creates them with his words. And yet, there was, there, there was something that happened in the Garden of Eden, that, that sin that happened, this disobedience that separated you from God. God's creation became disenchanted with him. And they disobeyed him. And immediately God said, I'm going to make a way for you. Like if that doesn't say, does speak about love, I don't know what does. But listen, salvation is by far the greatest miracle that God has ever done. Because you were dead and, and then he made you alive. Like this is, this is taking that what, something that was and then isn't and then is again. Like, this is crazy. And somehow, it's easy for us to fall back into the, what we were. That's why Paul constantly reminds us, you were like this. You did walk like this. That's not you anymore. You're not in the darkness. You are not void. You are not without form. The Spirit of God is not just hovering over you. He's inside of you if you're in Christ. It is a miracle. And somehow, we can let the newness of that wear off. And we can just start going through the motions in, in our walk with the Lord. How do I know? Because I've done it. How do I know? Because I've done it. It's super easy to do. You know, I love Keith Green. Any big Keith Green fans here? Like, he was an incredible worship leader in the 70s. If you don't know who he is, you should listen to his songs. They are super convicting because he's writing from the heart, and he's just saying, Lord. And, and one of the things that he said, he, he, and he always, like, his, his, and I don't know why I even bring this up, but his, his bent was, in my mind anyway, maybe you would disagree with me, but 
He had such a high view of God. He tried to get the entire place when he led worship to get their eyes upon this magnificent one. It was not about the crowd. It wasn't about him. It was about the Lord. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. I don't even see the crowd. I just see you here in this place. Lord, you are so incredible. I love that guy. But he said something that, that you know, many of us maybe are going through right now and we don't even recognize it. He said he was, before he wrote a song, he said, I was, I was praying to the Lord and I was saying, Lord, there's something going on in my heart. There's something wrong with me. It's not really things that I'm doing, but maybe some things that I'm not doing. And he started to talk about, you know, I'm doing all the right things, Lord, but I'm going through the motions. The, the connection between you and I is not what it should be. And then he wrote that song, oh, oh Lord, you're beautiful, that one, whatever it's called. And just getting his eyes on the Lord, bring me back to that place where I stand in awe of you, God, where the newness of my relationship with you is revived and where I recognize who you are and who I am and what you've done for me. If you can walk away not being inspired by the Lord, not being encouraged by that, if you honestly set your heart before the Lord like that, I promise you, you will, I don't care what's going on in your life, I don't care what circumstance you face, you will be encouraged by the Lord because when we get our eyes on Him, all of a sudden the waves that we sang about become smaller. We say, Lord, there's nothing too big for you. Lord, help me to get my eyes on you, Lord. And that's my goal this morning is to get your eyes on the Lord. You have a view of God right now. You have some view of God. The question is, is it big enough? Is your view of God big enough to move you from a place of complacency into a place of passion for him where you would risk your entire life for him? Because that's what he's worth. That's what he's worth. He, he, he said, listen, if you, Jesus said, if you love your father, your mother more than me, then you're not worthy of me. He, he wants us to get to a place in our lives where we were willing to give it all up for him because he's worthy of it. And that requires us to have a proper view of God. And so my goal is to just give you a couple, a couple things that will hopefully help you uh, come to that place where you do not allow the newness of what God has done in your life wear off. And so number one, if you're taking notes, If you don't do anything else and you just do this one thing, this would be enough. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Unbelief will cause the newness of Christ to wear off quicker than anything. And I'm not talking about unbelief in the cross. I'm not talking about unbelief in the resurrection of Christ. I'm talking about unbelief on a daily basis of God interacting in your life to where, you know, you recognize that he's big, that he's done great things, but will he do it now? Like that kind of unbelief. Like the unbelief that, 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 that doesn't really give him the proper place in our trials, in our, 
temptations and all of these things where we're saying, Lord, why am I struggling? Why? You know, and we start to blame God. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing these things? And it's almost the shake of fist to God saying, you know what? I can't believe that you would allow me to go through these things. And there's many, many people in that place, folks. And that is a place of unbelief. It's not trusting God that he can use your circumstances for your good. It's literally taking Romans 8.28 and literally cutting it out of the Bible and saying, I don't believe that. That he can work everything out for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Listen, this, 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 this kind of unbelief will not keep you from heaven, but it will keep you from having the joy of the Lord. It will keep you from being passionate for Jesus, I promise you, and it will put you on the bench as it relates to your Christian walk because you don't have enough faith to really see how God can work in all these circumstances. The children of Israel are a perfect example of this. The Lord said, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. Remember when he led them out of Egypt? And he did miraculous things. Ten different plagues he, he plagued the, the Egyptians with. Their, their, their magicians even stopped trying because they're just like, dude, I can't keep up with this guy. And yet, in the, in, the, in the land of Goshen, here are these Israelite people that aren't being affected. That the Lord, that they're not, they're not having the same issues going on. It's like God's hand is protecting them. And he sends Moses and Aaron there, and he says, I'm going to bring you up out of, out of Egypt. And he does it miraculously. They leave the land of Goshen. Listen to this. Like three million people are like moving out of Egypt into the promised land, into the land of Canaan where they came from, by the way, in the, in the days of Joseph when there were 70 of them. Now there's, you know, estimated two to three million people 400 years later, through a promise given to Abraham, the Lord brings them up out of Egypt and he, they find themselves faced with their, with their first trial, this, the, the Red Sea, right? And they see this Egyptian army coming after them. <laughs> and I'm convinced Moses doesn't even know what to do. I've been there. Lord! And he opens his eyes and the, the whole Red Sea is divided. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> that's just my version. I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not. But, but, but here's the awesome thing. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. Immediately the ground became dry. They walked through it. They get to the other side. I don't know how long it takes three million people to get through the Red Sea, but the Lord held off this army long enough to get them up over onto the bank on the other side. And as the army was pursuing them, the, the waters just collapsed and they were swallowed up. And they sang a song, man. And they sang with their hearts. Lord, you're so awesome. Thank you, Lord, for the deliverance. Three days later, they are what? They're at the waters of Mara, and they're like, I can't believe you brought us out here to die. And they start complaining to the Lord. Listen to this, Exodus chapter 15, verses 23 and 24. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. 
Therefore, it was named Mara, which means bitter. And the Lord and the people grumbled against Moses, saying, "What shall we drink?" Three days later, they just watched God open up the Red Sea, and three days later. They're complaining about some bitter water. They don't have enough faith to believe that God can do something about that. There's a picture here, folks. Fast forward six weeks. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. They set out from Elam, and the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger." God opened up the Red Sea. Are you kidding me? He just made the waters that were bitter by somebody throwing a log into it. He made them sweet so they could drink the water. Again, Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the command of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirst, thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Listen, this goes on and on and on again. The newness wore off within three days. And now they're in this mode of just discontentment. Dis, they were in disbelief of the, the capabilities of God. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're three days in, and you're saying, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but I don't like it. And you're complaining against him. And you're asking him to do a work in somebody else's life. Maybe he needs to do the work in your life in your heart. This gets to a point where the Lord says, you know what? Nobody from the generation that came out of Egypt is going into the promised land. Not a single one of you, except for Joshua and Caleb. And why did they get to go in? Because they believed. Because they believed. Do you know dis disbelief is an offense to God? It's like slapping God in the face. It's like saying, Lord, I, you know, this circumstance is so much bigger than you. That's essentially what you're saying when you don't believe, when you cease believing in what he's doing in the moment. Because you can't see how he's going to do it, you're going to slap him in the face like that? Man, who do we think we are? Again, I speak from experience. Some of the most ridiculous things I've said to the Lord because I didn't like the way that he was managing my life. But let me tell you something. He's done a good job. 
and I have nothing to complain about here. And yet there's that constant, that constant, uh, you know, nagging of the flesh that wants to disbelieve God. There's no way that he can do that. He doesn't love you that much. You really don't have that much favor with God. The enemy whispering in your life, into your ear. Listen, don't stop believing. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what you faced. That's why he gives us testimonies. That's why he gives us things to look back on. That's why he, he's done things in our life we can look back. All you got to do is just take a second, look backward before you even speak. And, and you'll see that he's been in your life and he knows what he's doing. And, and what I find funny is that a lot of times I'm getting mad at God for my own decisions. Stupid things I've done. Like, he told me not to do this, but I did it anyway, and here I am, and now he's the, at fault? No. Again, who is my life centering around? Not him. If, I'm, if I have that mentality, my life is being ruled by me. I'm sitting on the throne, not him. The children of Israel, there were a few of them that believed, and God blessed their socks off, man. Joshua became the leader of Israel, and he took the children of Israel into the promised land. But what did the Lord have to say to Joshua continually as he brought him in? Three times in, in the first uh, chapter of Joshua, he said, man, be of good courage, Joshua. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. Here's the thing is God... God God understands where you are. And he understands the encouragement that you need. And that's why he encourages you. Like he didn't just set you on the path and say, now, now you believe in me. You, when you come into these trials, you just, you just believe in me. No, he encourages you in those. Like he brings other people into your life to encourage you. Like this men's breakfast I was going to. You know, if you're not in regular fellowship, man, then maybe you're cutting out the voice of the Lord in a specific way that God wants to speak to you through, through relationship. You know, there were four pillars in the book of Acts. Doctrine is one of them. Fellowship is also one of them. You know, maybe you need to get connected with the body of Christ so that God can encourage you in those times, so that he can remind you, because we need that. God is a good good God. Oh, oh, that's the song. He is good. And man, let us not ever think that he is not. He is so good. Even in the tough times, he is good. You know, he, you know, it's what Job said. You know, he gives and he takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord, because if he doesn't want me to have something, I don't want it. Right? It's like hot potato. If he doesn't want you to have it, give it away, man. You don't want that thing. You don't want, you don't want to have a Jonah on your boat either. You don't want to have those things in your life that God doesn't want you to have. And maybe some of the things you're going through are because there are things in your life that you're holding on to the potato and it's burning you and the Lord's saying, hey, let it go. Let it go and I'll take care of you. Don't stop believing in the Lord, man, that, that he is good and that he knows what he's doing and that he is working everything out for your good. Don't stop believing. 
It doesn't matter how big the trial is. Listen, he will see you through. He is faithful. Secondly, you're taking notes, remain awestruck always. Never let the wonder of God diminish in your eyes. David said in Psalm 33:8, he said, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? Because he's God. Why would David write? Dude, David went through some serious trials. Like, here's a guy that at whatever, I, he was a young boy. He's out in the, you know, shepherd, you know, taking care of sheep and everything. And he gets called in. Like, he's not looking to be the king of Israel. And he gets called into this situation. He gets, hey, that's my man. You're going to be God's king. And then he gets placed in, into the palace with King Saul. And he faces trial after trial after trial. This guy is trying to kill him. Every chance he gets, Saul is trying to kill David. Is David blaming God? No. David's saying, man, this guy is crazy, but my God is good. I love the Lord, and I'm going to continue to to serve the Lord no matter what's going on in my life. And here's the deal. He could have walked away and said, dude, I'm not doing this. That's what many people have done in the church. You know that? I'm not doing this. How about being part of the solution of the problem that we're having in the church rather than just saying, I'm not doing that. But here, here's the thing is David said, I'm going to do what you want me to do, Lord, because you're God, because you're God, and I fear you. And I want to be obedient to you. And so he, he reminds us all in this, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Listen to what Moses said in Exodus chapter 15, 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Like, do you know right now Right now, in heaven, there are four creatures that are sitting around the throne of God, and they are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come over and over and over again. There's not a single person in heaven, no creature, no person in heaven right now that is just saying, man, can we sing a new song? Can you make this about me? Can we turn this into a worship session that I like? Are you kidding me? And that's what we're doing? Can we get some more lights and some smoke? And can we get a little bit, uh, you know, can we hand out earplugs on the way in because we need to bump it up a little bit? Are you kidding me? Listen, all this stuff goes away. And we should be worshiping our hearts out. Because he's the center. It's about him. When we lose our awe, the object of our worship, the Lord, and we make it about everything else, we have totally lost the awe of God. And we're not coming for him. We're coming for what we can get out of it. Which, let me just say something. Do you know when you worship God, when he becomes the object of your worship, the, the, the hyper-focus of your life, that you are blessed beyond belief? 
But that isn't why you do it. You do it because he's God. And the result of it is you are blessed beyond belief, right? You give him everything because he's God. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 through 29 said, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Listen, New Testament, for our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire, man. And we're in his presence right now. And sometimes we don't act like it. We're kind of like this, drinking our coffee, hand in the pocket, totally unimpressed with what's going on in here. And he's like, man, are you serious? I'm here. Again, the picture is in the Old Testament, but the premise still exists. When God came down in Exodus chapter 19 and he said to Moses, I'm going to meet with you face to face. And I want you to ascend this mountain. But I want you to consecrate the people. I want you to set them apart. I want you to wash their clothes. I want them to be consecrated. I want them to be washed. And I want to set a boundary around my holy mountain. Because I am too holy for these people to, to approach me. And what God was saying is, I want them to see who I am. I love them so dearly, but the reality is that their sin keeps them separated from me. But I have not changed. He descended on that Mount Sinai in the pillar of fire, smoke surrounding this thing, and Moses blazed his way up there. How crazy is that? And I promise you, there wasn't a single person in that congregation that was going, man, can we make this about me? Fast forward to Exodus chapter 33. Moses sets up a tent. And notice, it's outside of the people. Again, the idea is there's a separation in the Old Testament between God and man. And they're separated from God. But Moses steps up, the Lord says, set up a tent outside of the camp, and I'm going to meet with you there face to face. And here's what happened. You can read it later. It starts in chapter 7, or chapter 33, verse 7 through 11. But it says that when, Moses, when, when, when the cloud started to descend, Moses left his tent, and he walked outside of the, of the, of the, kind of the, the, the parameters of the camp that they were camping in, and everybody came out of their tent, and they stood in the mouth of their tent, and they watched as man went to meet with God. Like, it was awesome. Like, nobody there was going, man, can they play a song I like? Man, can they get a better pastor in the pulpit that can make me laugh or something. Like nobody in this congregation, everybody is in awe going, a man is going to meet with God. Whoa. And it says that when the cloud came down and Moses was in that tent and God was in that tent, listen, everybody started to worship God. They were worshiping God. 
They were saying, God, you were so awesome. You were holy. I can't believe that you're meeting with Moses right now, Lord. Hope, what in the world? And how flippant we are when that same thing is happening right here. He's here. He's the same God. Here's the difference. He's not outside the camp. He's inside of you. You're the tent. He came to meet with you. He, 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 he made a way so that distance could be closed and that he could be right with you always so that you could worship him 24-7. You didn't have to wait for the cloud to come down. Like, you can do it anytime. You can do it in your bedroom, in your car. You can do it at your home. You can do it in the church. You can do it everywhere because he's in you. You're the tabernacle. And let us not forget that. We are carriers of this holy God who loves us so much. Are you in awe of him this morning? Have you lost the newness of your walk with the Lord? Where are you at today? Listen, my prayer is that God would move us all today from where we are closer to him, that we would have a bigger view of him, that we wouldn't have this cultural Christianity idea of what worship is, but we would look at the Bible. One thing that, that, that I'm going to end with this, the new, new church, the New Testament church, when they first began, Acts 2, 42 and, two, and, and 43, you know, it says that they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, in the um, in fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers, and it says that awe, is it up there? Check this out. And awe came upon every soul. And awe came upon every soul. Listen, this is New Testament. He's the same God. May awe come upon our souls. May we just not be very, very well informed people that are totally dispassionate about the Lord. May that passion and the fellowship and the reminder of what Jesus has done and our prayers fuel us to a place of honest of who he is. Amen. Lord, we thank you for who you are this morning, God. What can we say, Lord? But thank you that you would come and reveal to us time and time again of your greatness, Lord, of your might, of your power, of the awesomeness of who you are and of your love that you'd so desire relationship with us. Lord, you, you are the perfect example of what authority and power and love look like together. And so often, Lord, we, we are focused, we are one-dimensional, and we can only focus on one thing about you. And this morning, God, may we focus on your holiness. We hear over and over and over again how much you love us, but Lord, let us be reminded this morning we're thankful for your love, and we don't want to look past that, but we also want to be reminded of your holiness. That you call us to be holy as you are holy.
you want to move us into a place of just being in awe of you, Lord. And of course, your love can do that or any other thing. But Lord, I pray this morning as we are just considering what was spoken this morning, that your Holy Spirit would move each and every one of our hearts right now, Lord, into a place of repentance or into a place of praise, into a place of thankfulness, Lord, into a place of awestruckness, whatever it is that you see that we need, Lord. Will you bring us back to the heart of worship, Lord, where it's all about you, where you are the object of our entire life, every plan that we make, every word that we speak, Lord, every place that we go would be with you in mind. We would be humble and we would be obedient to your spirit, that we'd be vessels and ambassadors, Lord, for you. Lord, we, we pray over the church at large today, God, and we ask you to draw us back to that honest of who you are. We ask that you would, you would cause those in the body of Christ to move into a place where we, we make it all about you again, Lord. So we just lift this time up to you, Lord. We pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't have a relationship with you and they hear about the holiness, and they, they, that they would also know that you sent your son to die on the cross for us so that you could be near to us and that they can call upon your name and be saved this morning. And so we just leave that, Lord, with your spirit, and may you just work in our midst in these last few moments as we worship you. We thank you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.